This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Morning, everybody, and welcome to our Football Friday podcast as part of the Mike Francesa podcast on Bet Rivers Network. Remember, you can get the Mike Francesa podcast exclusively on the Bet Rivers Network. Uh, and, of course, for all your wagering needs, it's Bet Rivers in New York and New Jersey. Play Sugar House in Connecticut. The week nine in the National Football League. A lot of teams with buys. The Giants at 6-2. and two, The Cowboys at 6-2. and two. And remember, they will meet in a big game on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, Browns at 3-5 and five off the win against the Bengals. Steelers at two and six, Broncos at three and five, and the Niners uh, bolstered by the McCaffrey trade at four and four. Watch them second half of the season. I think the Niners could get going and be a dangerous team, maybe the sleeper in the NFC in the second half of the season. Uh, Giants off, as we said. Jets get the Bills, uh, the six and one Bills at the Jets. The Jets are good defensively. They have a deep front line. They can pressure the quarterback. They can play in the back line. Obviously, they have a star in Sauce Gardner. Um, Let's put it bluntly. Zach Wilson has to play better or he has to take a seat. They have committed to him. The general manager has. The coach has. But they got to realize that especially now with the Giants winning, there'll be more pressure on the Jets. And with the team moving forward, there'll be more pressure. They clearly miss Hall in the offense. He was a very big draft pick. He was a very big find. He was an explosive player at the running back position who could really turn a very simple play into a touchdown. That's a big loss. But Wilson has just got to play the position with more smarts, with uh, more professionalism with more toughness. I mean, uh, you cannot have give up throws, give up throws in the NFL don't work. Okay. Throw them up for grabs in the NFL don't work. And that is a problem. And they are committed to the player right now, but let's be honest. He has got to play better or heads are going to roll. Jets aren't ready to beat the bills. They can stay in this game. They're big underdogs. As you would expect, bills are explosive. But Jets' defense is good. If they don't turn the ball over, they will stay in this game with their defense. But they don't have enough offense to win this game. Buffalo will win the game. They're better in so many spots. They're explosive. And they're going to make some plays in their offense in the passing game with the quarterback, with his arm, with his legs. And that's the difference. The difference to play a quarterback is night and day. Okay, so that's why it's uh, still uh, Buffalo on the long end, but wouldn't be surprised if the game is uh, closer than the points for in the case. Colts, 3-4-1, bitter disappointment, no matter who plays quarterback for them. Uh, Pats at 4-4. Four four. 
Very puzzling what Belichick's doing with a lot of portions of his offense. And he really needs to make a decision at quarterback. Uh, you know, not that anybody should tell a coach with his success and his resume what to do, but it just doesn't make sense to play the way they're playing offensively right now. But Taylor's banged up again. The Colts offensive line is banged up. Pats are the more solid team. They're clearly the better coach team. I think the uh, Colts have been a bit of disappointment, uh, and I expect the Pats to come out on the long end. Uh, Charges at the Falcons. Give the Falcons credit. You know, the Falcons have really jettisoned a lot of big-name players. They have a lot of dead weight on their cap, and they continue to play really well. So give them credit. They're, you know, they're in every game. They hang in there. The Chargers are banged up. They're banged up at wide receiver. Uh, both Williams and Allen are banged up. They're inconsistent. The Falcons should be able to run on them. Mariota can hurt them with their legs. Um, the Falcons are well coached. Do not be surprised to get another close game with the Falcons. They seem to be playing them every week. Dolphins at five and three, Bears at three and five. Fields are starting to get it a little bit. More design runs, better throws off those design runs, uh, better throws off play action. But the Bears gave up a lot of talent on defense. The Dolphins went out and were busy replenishing in the trade market. When two is playing. That means Hill and Waddle are going to be getting the ball. When they get the ball, they make plays. That's all there is to it. Uh, they just are too way too explosive for the Bears, and the Bears' defensive performance against Dallas was just awful. You don't know how the trades they made on defense, you don't know how those impacted that defense. It looks like it impacted it very negatively. Panthers at 2-6 and six have played a little harder. They're not very good. Bengals miss Chase enormously. Their offensive line's still a problem. Um, but the Bengals have too much firepower and too much a quarterback to lose to the Panthers. Packers at 3-5 and five just continue to slide, slip slide away. The Lions at 1-6 and six have done nothing right. Absolutely nothing right. Uh, the word is that Rodgers is healthier. He's been playing with a bad thumb. He's healthier this week, but he still doesn't have a lot of targets. He doesn't have uh, – his tackles aren't healthy. Um, you got to figure they can figure out a way to beat the 1-6 and six Lions, but nothing's good for the Packers right now. Vikings at 6-1 and one, uh, are probably the most overlooked – team with a good record in the league, even more so than the Giants. I think the Vikings are actually garnering less respect than the Giants are at 6-2 and two with the 6-1 and one record. They get Washington this week. Let's be honest, Washington's pulled a couple of games out, like the Colt game last week. They had no right winning that game, and they did. I mean, they scored 10 points in the last four minutes. The Colts handed them the game. Biggest story there is off the field where it looks like if the NFL – isn't afraid of them as an owner. And they want to get rid of Daniel Snyder that badly. Sounds like Bezos is interested. And if he buys that team and gets the, buys the stadium and the team, they will become a scary franchise because, hey, his tip money is more than a lot of owners have. So... You're, that would be letting a very scary man into the NFL. 
He's already an NFL partner because of what's going on with Amazon being a big buyer. Even though Amazon has hit a rough spot like all tech companies, they still have a fortune in money. Um, but Bezos, it looks like maybe the guy who's going to outbid him. The answer is nobody. Nobody's going to want to bid against him. Why would you want to bid against a man who's one of the richest men in the world? This is a guy, you know, people talk about the med owner. The med owner is nothing compared to what Bezos got. I mean, Bezos has got, he's got more money than all those guys put together. You got to go talk to guys like Musk and Warren Buffett to deal with, to deal with Bezos. And they're not getting in the NFL anytime soon. Musk has his hands full with Twitter. Warren Buffett's, you know, too smart to get involved in any of that stuff. He's also, you know, 90 years old. Raiders have been a bit of disappointment. Jags have been a disappointment because the Jags had a lot of games they could win. Neither one of these teams can win a close game. Raiders have to be wondering what's going on with Adams. Wallace hurting. Jacobs, they just have squandered his wonderful talents. Um... Jags will play hard. The question is, will they play smart? Will their quarterback play smart? He's played very dumb football in recent weeks. He really has. Seahawks against the three and five cards who are all banged up on the offensive line. Hey, Seahawks early in the season had no defense. Now the defense has started to play a lot better. Let's be honest. I have to say I was completely wrong about Seattle. I thought they were going to have a terrible year. They have done a great job. Pete Carroll's done a brilliant job with Geno Smith playing rookie running backs, playing rookie offensive tackles, playing Geno Smith, the quarterback, rebuilding the defense. When you can do all that on the fly, you just have to say kudos to the coaching staff and to the organization. Give Pete Carroll a great deal of credit. He has that team playing really inspired football. And Geno Smith playing well. He's not just doing it with mirrors. He's making great throws. He's completing 75% of his passes. He's not turning the ball over. Uh, He's got weapons. Walker's a big time back. They got they've gotten decent play out of their rebuilt offensive line. They got Metcalf. They got Lockett. Seattle's playing well. I mean, there's no way around it. Rams and Bucks, two very beat up, disappointing teams. Sounds like Cooper Cup will play. That his ankle injury is not devastating. Bucks, so many injuries on the offensive line. So many people banged up. Concussion protocol for, you know, Winfield on defense. I mean, so many different things wrong with the Bucs. But I think the Rams even have more problems right now. I figure the Bucs will survive in a game that the loser's in really rough shape as far as the playoffs go. Let's be honest. Rams are 3-4, and four, Bucks are 3-5. and five. Can't afford any more losses. Sunday night, Titans, Chiefs, they're both 5-2. and two. The difference between these teams is enormous. Chiefs are a 5-2 and two and a Super Bowl contender. Titans are 5-2, and two and Vrabel is doing it with mirrors. Say this, Vrabel is the most overlooked coach in this league. Every year, he finds a way to win. No matter how many people he loses, now he's playing without his quarterback. He has Henry, and he has mirrors. Vrabel does a great job. He wins Games. I mean, that they're 5-2 and two is unbelievable. It really is. The guy does a tremendous job as a head coach, and he just wins games. That's it. 
But the Chiefs will win this one. Wouldn't be surprised if they won it big. Monday night, Ravens and Saints. I expect both these teams to play well in the second half. The Ravens should be even better than their record. They handed a couple of games. They handed a game to Buffalo when they had a 17-point lead. Handed a game to the Giants when they had a 13-point lead. They will be better down the stretch. Saints should be so much better than their record. They're getting healthier. They are probably the most physical team in the league. They're a good team. Let's see if they play like a good team. This is an interesting game. Bateman out for the season for the Ravens. Uh, this will be a tough game to win for the Saints, for the uh, Ravens. Saints, this will be a shootout. This will be a very, very good game. And like I said, Saints are a good team. They have a lot of talent. They really do. They got a lot of tough guys, too. So that's the Monday nighter, the Titans and the Chiefs. So the Sunday nighter, for a minute, let's mention uh, the loss of one of the real stalwarts of the recent age of the NFL. If you grew up in the NFL, I grew up in. The name Ray Guy just meant excellence. There was Ray Guy at punter. There was Dave Jennings at punter. And there was everybody else. Ray Guy is the best punter of all time. It's not even debatable. Dave Jennings, when he was alive, never debated it. This is the guy. This is the most consistent punter of all time. Had three punts blocked in his career in over a 1,000 punts. Three. He, he punted the ball so high. He was such an athletic punter. He was just excellence at his position. And that's why he's a Hall of Famer. That's why the award is the Ray Guy Award. I mean, he, he was a legendary figure as a punter and really one of the great names of the NFL. And it isn't often you can say this guy was the best player at his position in the history of the NFL. Ray Guy was one of those guys. You know, the great Sammy Boyle was a great punter when he was a, when he was a player. People don't even realize he punted. He was a great punter. There have been some great punters, but Ray Guy stood alone on a level no one else did. And that's why he's a Hall of Famer, and that's why he will be remembered forever. Died way too early at the age of 72 after a long illness. Uh, so the NFL lost one of the real legends of the game in Ray Guy. We'll come back with your emails after this. You're listening to the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. You're listening to the Mike Francesa Podcast. This is our Football Friday podcast. Before I get to your emails, and remember you can send your emails to Podcast at gmail.com. And we will always, you know, get to as many as we possibly can. And we thank you uh, for consistently sending them. And we thank you for making our podcast already very successful. Our numbers have been tremendous with the podcast, so they tell me. So thank you to everybody out there for that. Um, Let me mention the World Series as it takes a day off and heads back to Houston. 
What a wonderful game five. I mean, it's been a wild series. When you look at it, it's really been a very unusual World Series. Houston deserved to be a heavy favorite. They were. They just come off sweeping the Yankees. They hadn't lost a playoff game. They were dominant all season. They were the most complete team. They have a 5-0 lead in game one, and Philly comes back and beats them. That's a big salvo. Valdez pitches a really good game, too. Now they're even. They jump into Philadelphia, where the Phillies have been scoring runs in droves and hadn't lost, and they put on a power exhibition and just embarrassed the Astros. And now everyone's saying, wait a second, Phillies can win this thing. How's Dusty going to handle his pitching? Well, Dusty knew he obviously had a weapon to quiet bats. And let's be honest, what they got in game four was something that obviously will be remembered for a very long time. I mean, the performance by Javier, who has as much physical talent probably as anybody in baseball, six innings of no-hit baseball, two walks, nine strikeouts, followed by Abreu, followed by Montero, followed by Presley, and you get the second no-hitter in baseball history. In the World Series, the first, of course, was Don Lawson's perfect game, which we all have talked about all our lives. This is the modern-day no-hitter, which is 6-1-1-1. That's a typical modern-day. There's no more nine-inning no-hitters. There's now the modern-day no-hitter with him going six, you know, throwing 100 pitches, getting out of there, and then turning it over to the bullpen, which was dominant. They struck out 14 that night. So they quieted the Philly bats. And then Verlander had to go to the mound. And he has obviously been very much vexed by the World Series. He got off to the slow start, the home run to start the game, and you wondered whether he was going to hang around. He did for five gutty innings, got out of the bases, loaded jam. And then that game got very interesting. Montero didn't have it. Dusty goes to Presley for a five, for a five-out save. He gets the strikeout with first and third, one out of three-two in the eighth inning. And then, of course, the play that really, the two plays that are going to be talked about. You know, you think about Mancini, who obviously went through a lot in Baltimore, had a dream come true by going into the World Series, hasn't been able to buy a hit, goes into play first base after Gurriel gets hit in the head on the rundown and makes an, a really a terrific play on a ball, just a pee off the bat of Schwaber that could have been a double down the right field line and changed everything. He makes a great play. That takes us into the ninth inning. And then Rio Muto, who has been struggling, hits a ball that on most nights is out of that ballpark, but not last night. And McCormick climbs the fence. Climbs the fence. 
and makes an incredible catch. So they get a gem from Mancini, who filling in for a gold glove first baseman in the eighth inning with two men on base in a one-run game. And then Real Muto, who would have been on third base with his speed, gets robbed by McCormick uh, on the wall in right center field on a ball that on other nights probably would have gone out of the ballpark. They don't pitch to Harper, which they clearly have decided Harper's not beating them. So they were very happy to hit him. Walk him, hit him, they don't care. They're going to make Castellanos or anybody behind them beat him, and that's the way to do it. It's amazing to see a guy like Harper. They're, you try to beat him with fastballs, nobody will throw him a curveball. Usually most sluggers, you throw him a steady diet of curveballs because you're afraid to throw him a fastball. This guy, you don't want you to throw him a curveball. But they get the out on the 3-2 pitch in what was a really, in a pressurized game five, a really good very, very intense, very good uh, baseball game. No question about it. Just a very, very good baseball game. And now the Phillies, who have done a very good job getting this to six games against a team that clearly is the superior team, now they're going to have to beat Valdez, and Valdez has been tremendous. He pitches another gem like he did in game two, and he could easily be the MVP of the series. And you could be the MVP of the series. We know that. Uh, but I think Presley could be the MVP of the series, but so could Valdez with a win and a big performance here. He's going to be very hard to beat. He's been a sensational pitcher of late. And then they'd have to obviously win a game seven, which would without question include Javier. So, they have to find a way to win two games. Listen, I don't expect them they would. I thought the series would go back to Houston before it started. I thought it would be either six or seven and Houston would win. I still think that they're the better team. They're a more complete team. But give the Phillies credit. They've done a very, very good job here making this an interesting series. And it has been an interesting series. All right, let's get to the uh, emails for this week. Greg starts us off. Don't get me wrong. I know that Zach Wilson is young and he has room to get better. That's for sure. But how many times does it actually work out with a quarterback who is still struggling by the middle of year two? Every quarterback is different. Some need to change the scenery. Some need a coaching change. Some need to move to a different team. Uh, Some of the greatest quarterbacks, Terry Bradshaw was on his way out of Pittsburgh after losing his job to Joe Gilliam. He was crushed and on his way out of Pittsburgh, and he went on to be one of the great quarterbacks of all time. Jim Plunkett found salvation as a Raider after flopping in New England. On and on and on, we can give you quarterbacks. Johnny Unitas was cut. So quarterbacks, there's no straight line with a quarterback success story. But here's the bottom line. Wilson has got to play better or he has to take a seat. He is holding up the team. This team now is being held up 
by, I think, two things. The same things I told you about in training camp. Coaching and quarterback. And I think it's clearly holding up the team. Danny from Hoboken. Over the past year, I've been somewhat of seen somewhat of a shift in the younger generation, caring more about fantasy players involved in the game, uh, and then worrying about the home team. Do you think the gambling le- legislation will expedite this and lead to less true fans and more people cheering for their bets, etc.? Uh, Danny, I think it's already happened. I think fantasy caused this. I think the new fan is more tuned to the red zone channel than he is to watching his team uh, in a stadium or going to a game, unless it's a big game or a playoff game. Um, I think it does change it. I think the gambling will change it more. I think what you're saying is completely true. Steve emails, which career accomplishments do you think is more impressive? Saban winning... The championships he's won at Alabama and LSU were Bill Belichick winning six in New England and two as a defensive coordinator. Without question, Belichick, it's the higher league. It's the highest league. What what Saban has done is tremendous. But once you build a recruiting stronghold at one of the great schools, you have a conveyor belt. The NFL isn't built that way. Uh, Belichick's accomplishments are greater. John emails, uh, do you think Tiki Barber will ever get in the Hall of Fame? I believe he deserves it. His last three years were all pro phenomenal. His rushing yards, his receiving yards. Tiki Barber had a sluggish start. He had to find a role and define a role. He had to learn not to fumble. When he did accomplish all that, make himself an every down player and stop his fumbling problem, he became one of the great backs in football. And the the great irony was Tiki, who obviously had problems with Tom Coughlin, saved Tom Coughlin's job with that performance in Washington. Tom was going to get fired. And he never would have had what he had. And Tiki saved him with that brilliant performance in Washington on a Saturday night. Um, I don't think Tiki will get in. I think you have to look at the players. How many players are there from that era that have the same kind of qualifications? And then realize if that number is more than one or two, it's very hard for somebody to get in from that era. Brian emails, when Dable took over the Giants, he said he was keeping Patrick Graham as defensive coordinator. Then Graham bolted. In the end, did Graham do Dable a favor by leaving so he could hire Martindale? Yes, yes, and yes again. Dable's decision to bring in Martindale has made the Giants. Dable's done a very good job with his leadership. He's been a very, very good head coach. He has made a big difference this year with the team, and that's what coaches do. They make a difference. But one of the big things 
is he hired a defensive coordinator who has, I would say, probably won three games with his defensive coordinator. That's a lot. That's a lot. He has been a superb. He has been a superb defensive coordinator this year. Just outstanding. I would say his impact has been extraordinary with the Giants. But give Dable credit because he built a staff. It's his staff. Never, ever minimize the head coach because the head coach made the decision. So when he brings the guy in and the guy shines, it's still on the head coach because he brought him in and he gave him a chance to get that done. And there are things that Dable had to sign off on that Martindale wanted to do. He's not working by himself, Martindale. He has a head coach. So while he is given carte blanche and Dable's an offensive coach, he still has to sign off on what Martindale's doing. And clearly he has. They're a very good team. You know, successful offensive head coaches have a partnership with a very good defensive coordinator. There are very few coaches. There are some who have their hand in every pot. Parcells is one of those. Belichick's another. Where they, they'll coach the offense, they'll coach the defense, they'll coach the special teams, they coach everybody. But those guys are rare. More of the time you have the Mike Holmgren who had a great defensive coordinator in Fritz Sherman. Or you have Mike Ditka, who had Buddy Ryan. So you go down the line of offensive guys who've got a defensive coordinator who they give carte blanche to, Dable and Martindale are the last extension of that, and it works well when it works right. And it's working right for the Giants in a very, very big way. Giants stood pat here. Now, what's going to be interesting is, are the Giants going to have a little egg on their face? And I don't think it will be fair if they do, but Kansas City is going out of its way to talk up Tony. You've heard Kelsey make statements about what a freak he is. You've heard Andy Reid make statements about this guy's scary. We saw glimpses of that. We were begging, all of us were begging to see it. We saw it in that one game when he had 10 catches for 189 yards. We were waiting to see it. But don't blame the Giants because the guy couldn't get on the field. And they had enough of it. But he's gone to Kansas City where all of a sudden he's going to miraculously heal because he's going to say, oh, my God, I can be a star here. And Kansas City isn't doing that. Andy Reid and Kelsey don't have to do that for anybody. They're stars in their own right. So they don't need to talk up anybody, but they're talking up Tony big time. 
Let's see how that unfolds. The Giants could have gone out and spent the money for a Judy. They could have gone out and spent the money for a big receiver. They didn't. They have a long-term plan. And maybe they knew one guy wasn't going to make a big enough difference with this team. And we're going to have to keep playing the way we play, which means we're going to use Barkley's legs and his talent and explosiveness, and we're going to use Daniel Jones's legs. And then use the defense and get as far as we can go this year. Listen, this year's gravy. If the Giants can get to 8-2, and two, they should be able to get to the playoffs from there. Even when they start playing the Cowboys on Thanksgiving and playing the Eagles uh, and everything else, they should be able to get there. And if they get there, they're playing with house money. They know that. They don't have to build the thing on the fly. They can build it the right way. And they decided they were going to build it the right way and not try to do it in season where you're going to pay a premium. And they knew that. Enjoy week nine. Thanks for listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hey, it's Mike Miss here. What a time to be a Philly sports fan. And you can share the excitement with me each week on the Mike Missinelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Listen and subscribe to the Mike Missinelli podcast today, wherever you get your podcasts.